Hey, everybody. Instead of plugging our Patreon, which we usually do, I'm going to switch it up and go over and plug duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. If you're a person who buys things from Amazon.com, that is a great place to go because you can use that button there and uh, buy your stuff on Amazon as usual. And you know what? You pay the same amount and we get a kickback. This is a wonderful way to support the network if you uh, don't want to be doing the Patreon stuff or if you want to do something in addition to the Patreon stuff. It goes a really long way, and uh, it's as simple as dragging a bookmark to your toolbar or whatever. So once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash tipjar, and use the Amazon link there for any of your online shopping. Thanks. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a beastly appendix. <laughs> and this week we are reading your responses to Hemlock Charnel Lane. Uh, Illusory was not able to join us because of a scheduling thing. We're recording this after the usual time to peel the curtain back. But uh, we appreciate him uh, joining us for the main episode. Yeah, absolutely. That was. Uh, I think that's one of our stronger episodes of the season. Yeah. I think that we do better when there, we have more to speculate on and there's less in stone. Yeah. And uh, Illusory is a really good guy. Definitely. And and fun to uh, talk to. And I, I like what he does so much. He just put up a thing um, today that was about like an unused menu. I guess at one point in Dark Souls 1, you were going to be able to trade stats for humanity. Hmm. Um, just interesting. Man, we're still it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's very, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll go ahead and get us started with your responses and uh, follow up and the like. A little bit of follow up here from Luke. Luke says, via contact. Just a quick note in defense of Frenzy, the most frustrating of all of Bloodborne mechanics. You guys seem pretty put off by the fact that Frenzy hurts you a la bleed when the meter fills, but given Miyazaki's stated description of health in Bloodborne, it sort of makes sense. Your health bar is actually a measure of your will to fight on, which is why regain works the way it does. You don't just absorb your enemy's blood through osmosis during the fight, your morale increases as the tide turns in your favor. Similarly, blood vials seem to heal you in the same way that alcohol or cocaine does. It is a drug in this world, in that they give you a blood buzz that allows you to ignore your wounds and push on. So frenzy, arguably a poor word choice, is akin to a mental break, your brain getting pushed too far by what is an obser- what is it, ob- it is observing, and something vital within you snaps. It's likely when this happens that your character is simply uh, succumbing to the beast plague and go hairy, Bloodborne's equivalent of hollow, which is why it's so brutal. As for the execution, I would have loved Miyazaki to take something from Lords of the Fallen and implement the POV casualty differently. It shouldn't trigger when enemies are looking at you, but when you are looking at the enemies. Having to turn your back on some enemies during the fight to save your sanity, or better yet, wear a blindfold during some sections, Hmm. would have been far more interesting and more of a fitting mechanic than the one that exists. So it is flawed, but I think Cole's initial approach is the right one. The idea is solid beneath the bad execution. Yeah. I don't like when you when you say the idea is solid behind the bad execution, like, yes, the idea (laughs) of having your mental acuity affected by what you're looking at is solid. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it should affect health at all. Like, I don't think like I think the idea is like it's the very core of the idea that's okay and Mm -hmm. almost so so abstracted to the point of like not really resembling what it actually is. Yeah. And like that, that that all makes sense. Like I'm not saying it is a bad argument Mm -hmm. in practice. It's still terrible. Yeah, it still affects the game in a negative way. Yeah, like a really negative way. Yeah. Um, you know, and and not even like 
it would have been a little bit better if it did less health or if it didn't keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you have, like, you don't look at the enemies, that's great. I mm-hmm. think that's really cool. Um, but it still wouldn't have fixed it. Right. Like, I think at the core, I like, so I think I disagree. I think at the core, it is a bad thing. It's not just a question of it being tweaked. I think it's a bad mechanic. Yeah. Like, you know, I wanted something else for sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me. Like, I would have liked to have that sanity affected in a different way. I get that this is your will to fight on. That makes a sense. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it just, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to square that away with the actual visual effect that 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 triggers once you frenzy, like the 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 burst of blood from your head. Yeah. That pops in. Yeah. And I think that's supposed to just be you going, you just hemorrhaging from yeah. insanity, you know, um, which again, like that's cool and all in theory. But I would have liked to have had something that actually played with your mind more. Mm-hmm. And again, like for all reasons, we've stated a thousand times on the show because the game does really cool shit with that otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, like what what if there was a frenzy state that you're in? So we already have all these insight states. Yeah. There was like black phantoms and shit that yeah. showed up when you were frenzied. And then the meter would run down and they would disappear. But until the meter ran down, you had to escape them. Yeah. Or that's if- really cool. Like. Or if enemies just got stronger, like, you know, it didn't summon new ones, but enemies who were fighting got black phantomized. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a, you know, and it's, and it's literally a timer, mm-hmm. you know, so you can wait this out and avoid them or you can fight them. Yeah. It'll be really tough, but you can fight them. Mm-hmm. Which like you, I, it, I just feel like the, the ease of which everyone I've ever talked to could come up with a better idea for frenzy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always, you know, I love Miyazaki. I love the souls games. I hate doubt, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking like his shit, but like, mm-hmm. The fact that it's so easy to come up with cooler ideas just makes me feel like it's a real misstep. Yeah. And once we get to the areas of the game where this really comes into play, I think um, I think we're going to make a little bit more hay with it, too. Because right now, yeah. like, it's just an effect that, you know, comes up twice in very limited circumstances. But there are whole levels in this game that are kind of built around this mechanic. Yeah. When, when right now, like, people who are playing along with us are probably like, why is this a big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you will hear us bitch about it more because it's integral to the experience of the, the actual game and the people, the guests we have on those areas mm-hmm. are also probably going to talk shit about it as well. Like <laughs> I've heard, I've only heard kind of intellectual defenses of it. I have never heard a mechanical defense of it, <laughs> you know, or like a, like this is actually fun. Right. I haven't really heard that. So I don't, I, I don't want to dismiss your argument, Luke. Like it is well reasoned and it does make sense. It just doesn't. It's not a very like gameplay first, yeah, uh, mechanic. Mm-hmm. I think we all wish it was better. I mean, even he yeah. does too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the idea of you having to avoid enemies is really cool. Or that blindfold idea. I don't know what that would exactly look like. It, even if it just like hampered your equipment, like you had to wear the uh, the scholar, or the choir. Yeah, yeah. I could see that, but that also means you have to dip in and out. There's like no way to quick change unless it was oh, unless sure. it was something that just took up took up like an item slot like that you activated like the lantern maybe it would become like a a, a safety bit yeah problem in final fantasy yeah like um yeah the, the idea of you just keeping them off the camera mm-hmm. is really cool especially if they couldn't see you too so then yeah. you get some like amnesia <laughs> shit where you're hearing these things sing and like move around behind you mm-hmm. but if you are keeping the the player camera yeah off of them oh man arkham knight does some amazing stuff with uh with what's in and out of camera oh yeah yeah did you do you have that on disc <laughs> yes i'm gonna do you mind if i borrow that from you at some point yeah i'll send it to you when i'm done i don't awesome. know what i'm gonna I'm not, be done i don't want to spend sixty dollars on it but i really want to play it yeah so uh that's awesome i'm mm-hmm. I really i'm really looking forward to that cool cool yeah <laughs> and your address is <laughs> oh yeah yeah well I'll just i'll just just throw it on my paypal my paypal is this and the password is this you can pay, pay yourself some money for yeah. tipping him 
<laughs> let's uh, let's see here. Um, I'm going to go into the actual responses. Luke had a response to the area as well. So Luke says, after the mounting fear and frustration of the prior areas to the lane, uh, to, just to save us from having to uh, pronounce ambiguous words, uh, the lane was a literal walk in the park. Uh, From seemed to ha- seemed to have put the game's Green Hill Zone four odd bosses in, which is not a choice, but a comforting one. The mobs are mostly brittle, the tough enemies strike out alone, and the boss is more Storm King than Smell. While it may technically be a vestigial, the lane was a, a much-needed exhale after hours of kept breath in a tense chest. Then, while helping people through the area, I realized that I was actually playing the hard version of the level. Like safe home bases, every Green Hill Zone needs a remixed revisitation with a tougher enemy introduced, and this made me appreciate it even more. The addition of the freakish suit monsters felt like a fun secret to hold from these other players, uh, with their clean little minds. Uh, What a surprise awaited them! While I had already liked the idea of the witches summoning these creatures to halt my progression, that they were only able to do it to those corrupted by knowledge knowledge felt even more uh, felt even better and added a new layer to the game albeit one not really picked up again as someone without a leather fetish i like it when souls games show that they have more tools in their cupboard than difficulty you don't have to struggle against a against a level to be satisfied by it weaving a story into the walk will do just as well yeah that's that's well said yes very well put like i feel like at some point i have an essay in me or a backer blog about like the difficulty angle is my least favorite marketing or noteworthy thing about the souls game yeah like the fact that it's become this bad badge of courage and people talk about it in those yeah, respects like it's they're missing the point so hard and that that bums me out it's so exclusionary too like i don't like that in one bit actually yeah like oh you're good enough to beat like i'm good enough like and even it, it's weirdly enough and it's you know you can mark your bingo cards it's been a long time since i've said the word gamergate on the show but like mm-hmm. that was a thing for a little while mm-hmm. i would see gamergate people when they were talking about real gamers and not real gamers, mm-hmm. they would list Souls games as their credentials. Yeah. Um, which, like, one, I mean, we could go on forever about how stupid the idea of real gamers versus non-real gamers is. Like, yeah. that's repugnant. But to <laughs> use something I love so much and an aspect about it that's not necessarily, like, it's, like, number, like, 20 on the thing list of things that are awesome about the series. Yeah. To see something that I love used, yeah. like, created out like that is really shitty. And, you know, we've talked about how satisfying it is that, you know, it's fun to work for something and you know, think that it's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, so like that, like to, to an extent that's not possible without some level of difficulty. Right. But it, like, yeah. like, you know, like glorifying in it, it kind of seems like glorifying, glorifying in the most superficial read of something. It's yeah. Or it's, grasping it's just, at a straw, you know, it's just, yeah, they're so rich that like, yes, you can notice that, but move on to notice other things as mm-hmm. well. Like it, it's like difficulty is like, I want to be the guy. Yeah. This is, this is something different. Yeah. You know, like these are, these are more special than that. And like, Something that will come up through this Bloodborne season as, like, I process my feelings on Bloodborne and, like, we talk about it more will be this whole idea that, like, and I mentioned the last episode, but, like, my favorite bosses in Bloodborne are not the hardest bosses. My favorite areas are not the hardest areas. You know, like, I like this game specifically a lot when it's not leaning on difficulty. Right. Um, as as kind of it's it's what it's putting forward. Like I just think it's much stronger with ideas and text and environment. Mm Mm-hmm. Than it necessarily is in terms of challenge. Yeah. Not meaning it's less challenging, but like the way it handles those things a little bit better than the way the way I think it handles challenge. Mm-hmm. And as as I move through chalice dungeons, as we prepare to tackle those, like that, I'm doubling down on that feeling as well. Yeah. Because a it, lot of those are straight up fucking tedious yeah. nightmares, you know. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's not a good use of challenge. It's definitely the the, the challenge laid bare and showing the challenge in and of itself is not a worthwhile a worthwhile thing to build an idea around. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that like it's not like I and you know, don't anyone get upset because that there's more to the Chalice Dungeons than that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just you when people talk about the Souls games just in terms of being difficult, they're really missing the point. Yeah. So So yeah, Luke is spot on. Like it's yeah. it, it's it's super nice to have a breather level because pacing is very important. Yeah, exactly. And it just, you know, it just even mechanically, like it's interesting because it's not just that it's easier. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's easier allows you to engage with different mechanics. Mm-hmm than you would like when you're when moving through hemwick like you are able to take it in a little bit more and you're planning your kind of encounters you're not overwhelmed Mm -hmm. um you know when you're dealing with the boss you're thinking about the boss rather than just kind of like reacting and and figuring out you know patterns to dodge Mm -hmm. you know like it requires a little like a different kind of uh pace of not just like the action but also a pace of play that engages different things you know different verbs and stuff it just it's it's it is you know, I think the game could have actually used a little bit more of that stuff. Me too. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff says via contact. <clears throat> those dancing women. Or those damn dancing women. Uh, there's an ultimate horror in the imagery, idea, and execution of Hemwick Turnal Lane. It's the horror of recognizing that your scared, brainwashed ancestors must have felt when they saw any group of women dancing in the forest. <laughs> Superstitious and fearful, they knew, just knew, that this was a sure sign of witch activity. When I first saw the graveyard, the road women, that slow circular waltz, it was a moment of collective time travel. It was also thematic whiplash. If we take the concept of dancing being a sin, the connection of dancing imagery to witchcraft, and the collective religious outcry against that activity from our recent and long-gone past, we realize that little moment of extreme discomfort that Hemwick Charnel Lane creates with its very first image, we can almost get at the same question that seems to permeate through all the Soul series. What do you actually know? My ancestors knew this dancing was a sign of witchcraft, that it was evil, that it was wrong. And here, in the modern day, a simple sighting of this makes me feel that all over again. But then again, what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely unsettling imagery, I think, because of the cultural baggage associated with it, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 not... Uh, the thing about dancing is it's not um, overtly, to our mind, sinister. Mm-hmm. But it does have those connotations, and it's also it's like uh, the Simpsons, like flying a kite in a night. <laughs> something so unwholesome about it. Yeah, like just like dancing in a graveyard mm-hmm. is really different than dancing at like the Sadie yeah. Hawkins dance. <laughs> you know? Okay, so, you said Sadie Hawkins. I gotcha. Okay, what uh, did I mess it up? No, no, I just uh, I, I about did a community joke with the Sophie B Hawkins dance. Oh, um, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know that joke. No, that's fine. It it's barely a joke. I said it, just mistaking those okay. two. Um, <laughs> okay. But um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like a tonal um, mismatch too, right? Yeah. I, I love the idea of uh, of of Lawrence being like John Lithgow in um, Footloose. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and just you know, he was he was so cracking down on all that dancing, so he exiled these women <laughs> and their perversion to the to the outskirts where they could dance um, on high. And we, we perform always talk their rights. We always talk about in Souls games when someone is doing something non-aggressive mm-hmm. and how effective that is. Um, like we talked about it in uh, the Scholar episode about the Ivory King, mm-hmm. the the women who are just like sitting there. Yeah, you know, your first time through things like that. Like non-aggression is so powerful as like a, as a activity for an enemy to do in a game. Yeah, like having them do something innocuous when you come upon them just feels good, mm-hmm. especially in a game where like literally. Most of the time, I mean, this game is a little different because people do patrol, but they're patrolling for you. In yeah. other Souls games, you you run into hollows and they're just facing the way that you're going to come staring at you. Yeah. <laughs> until you aggro them. Like, it's a pretty silly mm-hmm. when you think about it. And this is, 
you know, now that they've opened up that kind of dynamic, you yeah. know, characters are going to move around, like having them do more things than just hunt. What's, what's kind of funny about it, too, is like Demon Souls was actually ahead of the others in this regard because they would actually have like, I think they played a little bit more with what like a lack of souls did to somebody. And there were a lot of there were a lot more like repetitious actions they would do. Think about yeah. like three one when, you know, the, the, the whatever the dreglings they were, um, you know, they wouldn't straight up attack you, but they would come and try and grab the hem of your garment. Yeah. You know, which, yeah. you know, it, it can be read as aggression, right? And eventually they will hurt you. But it's super unsettling that, you know, to, to see the behaviors that their conditions are, are, you know, are manifesting. And that's very much the case with this, too, right? Like, there is something off about them that is making them act like this. And it's good that, you know, the system is able to keep track of them doing that and use it as an aesthetic to make it, you know, genuinely very creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think about Demon Souls, too, like, uh, when you first start running into hollows, actually, like in Demon Souls, they're always doing something. Yeah. Like in in uh, in the only time they're just standing there waiting for you is in uh, Baltaria, where they're standing behind bulwarks. Yeah. And and waiting for you, but when you run into people in Stonefang, like they're working the mines. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think like time is going to be so kind to Demon Souls. Yes. Like in the Soul series, because there's so many <laughs> things that it did you really really well and and better than some of the later entries in the series. I think. Yeah. Um. You know, not like in general better, but like some little touches like that. Yeah. It's interesting that you have to go back that many entries to see this kind of stuff, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, let's see here. That was you. I will read Doug's next. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this level. Uh, but for a long time, I was scratching my head uh, uh, to figure out its significance in the overall plot. There are no lore notes, and I can't remember running into any NPC who even references the place. Even the wiki says almost nothing other than Hemwick, colon, because witches. With that said, I'll try and do my best Vati and give my take on what I think this place is about. First, the place is old. The buildings are the kinds of ruined shacks and hovels that suggest the residents of Hemwick predate every other area around it. Yarnum, Canehurst, and Bergenworth. Second, the big witch is literally covered in eyeballs, suggesting an extraordinary amount of insight. On the other hand, she hasn't undergone the kind of truly grotesque transformation that would indicate extreme inside exposure. From this, I deduce that the witches uh, have been there a long time, and when it comes to blood and insight, they know what they're doing. Perhaps they are the descendants of the Thumerians. Sorry, Thumerians. There we go. Um, all of that is well and good, but what does that mean for the rest of the plot? My suspicion is that the Hemwick dwellers acted as consultants for Willem, Lawrence, and their successors. It would seem impossible for Willem to have made any discoveries with the blo- with the old blood uh, without uh, without someone to point him in the right direction, because witches. Looking forward to the cast as always, fear the old blood, and for that matter, pretty much any blood ever. Yeah, that that is a, that is a that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Like it, right. it's sound, but they don't like partly because they don't seem that way to me. Right. They don't seem to have that level of sophistication to where they could be consulted. Yeah. With things, so like I I tend to go with this being like the the idiot version of Bergenworth. Yeah. Um, and when I say idiot, I just mean like backwards. Like I didn't th- think of the structures as old in like a dignified way. Right. I thought of them as old in a poverty way. Yeah. Um, but then also as far as, um, them not being, you know, knowing what to do with the blood, like they, they did experiment with the blood mm-hmm. a lot. They did a lot of different experiments. They did stuff with, um, that's what old Yarnum is about. Yeah. Um, you know, was them trying to, so they did have other ways of experimenting without necessarily having anyone telling them what to do with the blood. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, just the fact that you find the rune workshop tool, uh, you know, at the, at the back there, I think that, yeah. that, that, that leads me to believe in the cargo cult angle that we, that yeah. we laid out. And in fairness, this, this response came in before that episode was released. Oh yeah. So. And and again, like, it's not like our interpretation is necessarily best. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's just the, uh, I just think that, uh, well, the other thing too, um, is too much insight isn't what turns you into a monster. Right. 
Like that's not, uh, you know, because Willem is King Insight, mm-hmm. um, and he's just a, you know, we'll, we'll get to him eventually. But he's, yeah. you know, he's not a monster. Mm-hmm. So um, what turns you into a monster is, is different things, right? I think so. That it, but I mean, it does it does make sense, and it is just. Uh, yeah. I think that what you're picking up on, Doug, and that what I liked, and the reason why I liked the last episode so much is that like. When when your Avati is Vidya and your your you know name bros epic have not like made their way through an area and glorified mm-hmm. it, yeah. it is you know it's really fun because like obviously you can come to your own lore conclusions before reading stuff, but it's it's more fun and very fun when there's not very much there. Yeah, I think and that creates at least for the show it's very mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, and and fun for me. Yeah. So, so I mean I think that read is definitely accurate. You know, endemic to the to the area, at the yeah. very least. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mitch says via contact. I love this area. It was empowering in a way that only the Souls games can be. The enemies were satisfyingly strong while falling uh, easily to my holy blade, and this aptitude against a worthy foe is something that only Souls games ever really give you. This is only highlighted by downing the executioners that rocked my shit at the beginning and Pinwheel 2.0, but it is that pride before the Nightmare Frontier fall mm-hmm. that the games uh, the games just can't do like a Souls game. That's why this place is so great. Yeah, that's back to the pacing issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, because we are, you know, um, heading towards uh, uh, Bergenworth. <laughs> yes, we will. You know, so we, we are going to get to where shit gets real. And this is kind of a, it is a, a breath before that, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Tommy writes in via Facebook saying, I know some people find the look of this area cliche, but me and the guys I played it with uh, were blown away blown away by the cool classic witch tale look. When I saw those witches dancing, I felt like I was in a classic dark fucking fairy tale. And then he puts in a, a, a sad smiley face for some reason. Um, and the carriage pickup later was such a great moment. I don't mind when things are classic and I absolutely loved the atmosphere. Boss wise, they were pretty easy uh, since I was there with a friend. It was cool going into the back room after Afterwards as well yeah yeah i mean like it's it's you know like this is kind of like one of the big classic fantasy areas of the game but like you can look at i mean dark souls has a lava level in fact so does dark souls 2 so does demon souls like cliche is not necessarily a bad thing like witches are one of those things that was cliche before but i don't really feel like are cliche anymore yeah like how often do you see a witch as a as a bad guy you know now like it doesn't really come up that often witches are out yeah. Um, so doing that kind of classic like Baba Yaga esque <laughs> like you know folktale witch like I just don't see that very often. Yeah. So um, thanks Wiccans <laughs> um, for normalizing your hot topic lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> oh the, boy, uh, please don't write in if you're a Wiccan. Yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> we respect all beliefs. Yeah, don't dance at us. <laughs> the um, so Jack says via contact. Uh, what do you think the significance of the fact that Hemic Charnel Lane is filled with mostly female villagers? Also, you notice that if you kill the first female boss, Vicar Amelia, the area will actually get harder, making the summoned areas appear uh, once you choose to kill the vicar before going. You think gender plays a part in this section lore-wise? So the the, the summoned enemies, the uh, the mad ones, that that actually is a function of insight and not it being dark. Yes. Right. So yeah. that, that that doesn't have to do with uh, with Vicar Amelia being a woman. Um, yeah, I did. I thought of this in terms of of gender. I didn't really have an answer i don't think it's really a divic or amelia other than just that's like it's the witch zone mm-hmm. but there are there are men here there are brook trolls yep there are executioners like there are there are male residents of the village mm-hmm. it's just predominantly female and the yeah. unique people are female but i wonder about the mad ones i wonder if those are are men i think those are beyond <laughs> be, yeah beyond that distinction well i mean at some point where, okay. yep. like if the, if the men from this village were mostly wiped out for some reason mm-hmm. you know maybe they uh 
they're these demon things that are summoned. Yeah. No. I'm, I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Wicker Man, and I understand that the, 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 the Wicker Man where all the villagers were female was the Nick Cage one, not the great Christopher Lee one. God rest his soul. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think it's kind of like that. Like this is a society of witches that probably drew every, you know, like drove everybody out. Maybe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Do you are you with me that the uh, the male for witches warlock? Yes. Okay. And that is for the dumbest reason because of Bewitched. Okay. All of the male witches and <laughs> all of the male witches in um in Bewitched were warlocks. Uh, I, Uncle, I like Uncle a, Arthur was. So there's there are a couple of uh like kids that me and Elizabeth will babysit sometimes and mm-hmm. I was having a discussion with them about warlocks mm-hmm. and they were not buying it. So oh, really? I was like so I just wanted to, <laughs> I'm gonna go to those kids and say, like, listen, buddy, mm-hmm. I asked the internet. And they agree with me. So My buddy. Ten-year-olds go to hell. We do a podcast. Yeah. Hey, you heard of it? Put down your Minecraft for a fucking minute and learn a little bit something about a real game, you fake gamer kids. <laughs> fake gamer kids. I love that. Can we do a sketch? Fake gamer kids. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that warlocks practice witchcraft. Yes, but yeah. they, they, there's, they, not, they, there's not like warlock craft. Yeah, although in the Harry Potter universe, a uh, it, it, like the female ones are witches, but the, uh, the the male ones are wizards. However, witchcraft is a more primal version of that. I think I associate wizards with like intellect based, whereas witches are more of a wisdom based kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird because there there are sorcerers and sorceresses, mm-hmm. charisma, Wiz- wizards and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then warlocks and, and witches yeah, wizards and wizardess i've heard wizardess before yeah wizard i guess i have heard wizardess yeah mages and you know shmages M- magises yeah yeah magises yeah i guess that's true yeah yeah hmm yeah so yeah i mean, answer your question i don't think there's that much lore to it other than that it's like a witch yeah witchness. it couldn't be a witch thing we're down with the witchness yep um andrus writes in with our last response here saying uh you know he writes in via content Sorry, via contact. I like Hemlock a lot because of how bite-sized it is compared to the areas that come before it. Short, but still complex enough uh, to make exploration rewarding. The boss is a nice change of pace from all the huge and aggressive beasts feeling more like a battle of wits than reflexes. Also, isn't Hemwick Charnel Lane just about the witchiest name you can give a place uh, where witches hang out? That's, it is. <laughs> it's the witchiest. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I, I can think of other witchy names. Newt's Eye Circle. Sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Broomstick the, uh, Alley. Uh, cauldron Junction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. And mm-hmm. moving on to just a little bit. I don't have anything to add to that. I agree with you, yeah. Anders. Um, just a little bit of uh, just fun in here to. Are you okay? Things up. Uh, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, uh, but uh, Clint says by contact. Um, I'd like to thank you guys for Bonfireside Chat Season 1. I played a long while listening and beat the game at last. It's a good feeling. Knowing how robust community support was for Dark Souls 2, I felt prepared to meet the inevitable sequel with power and with confidence. <laughs> um, Scholar of the First Sin gives me pause, though. I hear the Jack the Difficulty way up, and I wonder if uh, the Scholar of the First Sin uh, has enough Sun Bros. What's your take? Is Scholar still tough but beatable for a medium-skilled Soulsman? Is the co-op still plentiful? Which do you feel uh, is a better play experience? It's a good question. It is. Um, because I... We'll never have, and no one will ever have, the experience of like pre-patch Dark Souls two, mm-hmm. and very few people will have the experience of pre-scholar right. Dark Souls two. Like that is a a long season wide document you made that is made, <laughs> you know, made irrelevant right. mildly by. Uh, I mean, a lot of the lore stuff still holds, but right. the uh, you know made kind of irrelevant by by what we did. Um, I can speak a little bit to the the idea of co-op, and in that a lot of people are playing scholar. Right, more people uh, probably than vanilla by, right by now, right? 
Yeah, and a lot of people have moved there because the co-op scene for Bloodborne has seemed to dried up very fast, and people yeah. are going back to Scholar. Mm -hmm. So there, at the very least, there are people playing. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are not just invaders, um, but there are people in the online community. So that makes me think that like maybe the the tide will rise, you know, all ships mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so there will be some more, you know, more bros. Yeah, uh, going on in there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I you know, as for the difficulty. Um, I can't really, I mean, I can't speak to that. I, irresponsibly, I've not beaten um, Scholar. I can say that it is more difficult, but I only can say that based on, you know, having played and memorized Dark Souls 2 <laughs> and the surprises yeah. are there. And, you know, that's a lot of the enjoyment that I'm getting out of it. I can say that it's definitely stronger. Um, you know, if something that you liked about the previous Souls games was that, you know, you, you know what, what was what was the item placement and the uh, the enemy placement storytelling? Like, it's going to be much stronger, and I think that it's going to be a better, you know, kind of like entry point <laughs> to, to get yeah. into it. Even if it's harder, it's still better. Right. And I would say it is harder. But even when Dark Souls Two came out, we thought it was harder. Yeah. Than the first one, um, it is harder. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things like once you kind of figure out how to play it, like all the Souls games, like you can ameliorate that. Yeah. Um, Souls are like candy. <laughs> and that game, like you can level up very frequently. Yeah. Um, especially compared to Dark Souls One or Bloodborne, um, and you know, grab grab a co-op person. I think there probably are a lot of people playing Scholar, mm -hmm. so I think you you can bring some help. Yeah, um, and you'll be okay. Nothing nothing feels outright like unfair in the uh, the remake. I think. Yeah. Like the and and also you won't have that previous knowledge working against you. Yeah. Like you have no expectations, so that will balance things a little bit in the other direction as well. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. So I would say I would say go for it. I think you're you're in for a good time. Yeah. Uh, if you end up going for it, uh, write in and let us know how it, yeah. how it worked for you. Um, we're going to be covering Scholar of the First Sin here pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do like one, you know, one big episode about it. Um, yeah. The gameplay changes and the like. Yeah. I've changed it, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, doing that again because I, I beat it when Scholar came out, but I'll probably play through it again. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's good shit. Definitely. Um, I'm going to go on to Jonathan with more just fun. And is Gary Italian? Every time he says it makes a sense, I get a little chuckle. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. Uh, uh, he means what he is saying kind of makes sense uh, in a certain context, but I keep hearing the broken English of my Italian relatives. My grandmother used to say, oh, that's a nice honey. <laughs> Whenever I showed her something, it reminds me of how Mario introduced, introduced himself. It's a me, Mario, or it's a me, Gario. <laughs> uh, nope. Um, but I, you, you did guess at the what I when I say a sense, I just mean a, a certain kind of sense. Yeah. Um, but that is funny. <laughs> I'm just glad that you're not uh, calling me out for saying you know. Every <laughs> once in a while, I will vanity surge our podcast if I'm, especially if I'm feeling down and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm feeling, <laughs> and nobody likes me. I'll, I'll vanity search the podcast and like the vocal tick I get called out for the most is saying you know. Mm -hmm. uh, because I say it really close, really fast, and it says like I'm saying, sounds like I'm saying yo, yo, yep, which is very funny. I'm mean, just like <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> I'm just throwing that in all the time. Uh, but long ago, I have decided that uh, maintaining a relaxed atmosphere and a natural form of speech was more important than me necessarily stomping out every single misspeech that I make. Yeah, you know, uh, I try not to. You know, I try to keep it under some semblance of control. But when I'm making the most mistakes mm -hmm. is when i am the most engaged and i feel like it probably balances out in the favor of quality yeah. or i like to hope that mm -hmm. the, the fact that i'm into it and uh, excited <laughs> is enough to make it better than if i was you know speaking with perfect diction right people um, and i just don't i don't speak with perfect diction anyway like i've got a, a real 
you know, a real rural, uh, lowborn mouth. <laughs> which is the, the name of my my smut novel <laughs> that i'm going to write about my mouth <laughs> like, that's horrible <laughs> like, boy you got a rural low-born mouth i'm gonna bail some hay into it if you know what i mean oh man <laughs> don't, don't say that but then, what does it even mean like it doesn't i don't like, know I it can't mean something good something <laughs> that you couldn't be grossed out by but yeah but here we are well, well here we are because you made my imagination figure out what like what does hay map do yeah <laughs> making hay <laughs> sun's out it is for horses yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that, uh, as you see, I just said, you know, people come here for a conversation and we're not perfect. I stumble over my words and, you know, that just ends up being part of our, uh, just, uh, just part of the charm, right? Yeah. I think that like, if I listen to a podcast, I get more annoyed by over editing than you yeah. under editing. Like mm -hmm. as I, I want a, a nice sound quality. So everything sounds okay. Like mm -hmm. a distracting, you know, buzz in the background or something I'm not into, but, uh, Podcasts that are edited so aggressively that it's like a couple people rapidly yelling a Wikipedia at you, <laughs> which I, I've heard some of that is a bummer to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I like listening to how people actually speak. Yeah. So we, we try to go for a, a lived in friendshipy feeling mm -hmm. for the show. And uh, hopefully that comes comes across in my my voice. And I hope yeah. this, this I hope I'm not coming off as defensive. Like I don't care. That no, no. I sound Italian. Um, to answer your <laughs> question, I am I am just uh, just, you know, uh, European mud. I don't yeah. have a, a strong nationality one way or another. Yeah. So. Also on a show where we get guests in a lot who are not necessarily, uh, you know, as as Mike friendly. You know, but I mean, I'm saying that in the nicest possible way. Like, they yeah, don't, who's they, Mike friendly? Yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> Hello. Um. Um, yeah, no, no. But just like people who don't do the, you know, do this as much as we do, um, or you know, are not just perfect broadcast speakers. Um, it, it's it's unrealistic to try and make that sound, you know, completely polished, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to edit ourselves. So we sound great whenever it's just the two of us. And yeah. then whenever we get somebody else on, they sound like a, you know, mm -hmm. like they're mumbling. I yeah. would rather just show off the, the mm -hmm. warts. Yeah. And, and, and the like, and, and that seems to be fine. That's not a complaint that I get. Even people who tease me about the, you know, thing don't mm -hmm. actually uh, say it in a mean way. Yeah. No, I don't mind. I've come to peace with it. Like I'm getting too old to, to be concerned, you know, to, to take myself to task for those things. I have much bigger, more existential things to take myself to task for <laughs> than the way I speak. This is like, you know, very, very low on the list of things I would change about myself. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. And, uh, and your grandmother sounds lovely. <laughs> um, let's see here. If you have any thoughts on the Chalice Dungeons, um, go ahead and send those into duckfeed.tv slash contact. Um, also, if you have any thoughts on the Forbidden Forest, we're taking those as well. You should you should mention when we say if you have any thoughts on the Chalice Dungeons, we don't want to get like a dozen responses about the emboss of the Challenge Dungeons or anything. Yes, because uh, we're yes. we're splitting that episode. We're doing that over the course of three episodes, we believe, right now. Yes, um, that may change, but we're still figuring that out because they they map weirdly mm -hmm. to our usual treatment. So we are actually looking for uh, specifically kind of first blush. Mm -hmm. You know, when you first went into the Chalice Dungeons, when you first went into uh, Thumeria mm -hmm. and saw what that was like, those are the kind of responses we're looking for now. Yes. Yes. Um, but we will be looking uh, for a leader. We're going to be covering, we're sprinkling, sprinkling those out like we are sprinkling out our special episodes. Right. So, um, yeah, if you want to help out the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Mm -hmm. um, you guys have been killing it on there recently, and we really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also rate and review the show on iTunes. That is a huge help. Yes. And let people know about the show. And I imagine by the time this comes out, we will have either gotten very close or passed our goal of 1,000 Facebook likes. Yeah. 
which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so all thousand of you, thank you. And that's mm-hmm. a fun, if you haven't signed up, like it's not just, we want to get that feather in our cap. Like no. it is a cool place where people talk about soul shit. So mm-hmm. I will like, we'll post links to things that are interesting to us. And then also our, our fans and community people will do that as well. Yeah. So it is a good, uh, good soul site, especially if you are sick of the constant, like get good memes and shit yeah. that happen with some Facebook groups of souls. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, no one will ever tell you to get good. And if they do, it'll be ironically. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah, and some very brief deleted scenes. <laughs> I think when, maybe just one. <laughs> just one, because when we recorded, uh, I was right before class. I had to go. Yeah. So uh, not very much uh, fun and around before we recorded, mm-hmm. but uh, enjoy this little tiny mini snippet. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. You all right? That sounded like it came from my body, but it's a straw in a cup. <laughs> okay. So give me one second, I'll because right. I don't know why it's so noisy at the second. Let me mm-hmm. just finish this coffee. Okay. All right. That's some good foley right there. I'm gonna keep that yeah, in the that, folder marked yeah. slurp sounds. Yeah, yeah slurping iced coffee, <laughs> not wave. <laughs> the folder marked slurp sounds. <laughs> it's my favorite Beach Boys album. <laughs> it's all the Beach Boys with slurp sounds. <laughs> It's all beverage themed, like parody covers. <laughs> Weird Al's got the food on lock. But... Help me, RC. Help, help me, RC. <laughs> oh, hoist up the John B. Ale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's going to be our sole deleted scene for this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>